Hi, sports fans, and welcome to Hot Take with Chip Whitman. I'm Chip Whitman. Now, a lot of you might be familiar with my old Fox News show, or perhaps my Fox Sports show, which I was on and canceled abruptly. And I want to address that right now because, well, I was told I have to by the producer. Now, I will not mention Washington's name at all. That football club got me in a little bit of trouble with my opinions. But I do want to address overall the idea of why I got in trouble. You see, there's two kinds of countries we can have. We can have a country where, oh, your health care is free. And, oh, I don't have to worry about being shot in the middle of the night because dad keeps his gun under his pillow. Yeah, we can live in that country and there'd be rainbows and unicorns and limos as far as the eye could see. Filled with liberals who are telling us what to say and what to do. What to think. I don't want to live in that kind of America. You know what kind of America I want to live in? The free kind. I want to live in an America where I can talk about a football team that comes from Washington who has a name with lots of history. I mean, I think we can all agree that heritage is important here, people. Oh, sure. We can have all this discussion about how people feel like they're just being treated awfully and racial slurs. But I'll tell you one thing. If you change the name of the New York Giants to the New York white man, I'd buy a ticket. That's right. That's right. I would. But you know something? They're not changing the name to the white man. They are not doing that. Now, Dan Snyder. I know him. He's a good guy. I have pretzels with him on occasion. We watch college games. He likes to, you know, forget about his club for a little bit. Does that quite a bit, actually. He doesn't really think about him a lot. But here's what I can tell you about Dan Snyder. The wait staff in his mansion, first rate. Do you know what race they are? How about gardeners? He's got gardeners. What race do you think they are? It doesn't matter. You know why it doesn't matter? Because he doesn't look at race. He doesn't look at his football team as a racial thing either. And I don't either, folks. Heritage. It's all about heritage. Now, I just want to give a word for our sponsors really quick before we get into this. Subway. Now, I know what you're thinking when you hear Subway. Immediately, your mind goes to Jared Fogle. And we all know what Jared Fogle did. He lost a lot of weight on Subway sandwiches. And that's why I think we'd all like to be like Jared, right? Tell your kids. Look up to Jared Fogle. Guy's an upright American. Lost some weight. Made some money off of it. Got on some sandwich wrappers. It's the American dream. Joining us in the studio today, we've got to my left, Coach Gunderson, offensive line coach for the Houston Oilers from 1974 to 1979. That's right, son. And Stephen K. Smith, commentator for our network. That's right. And as always, it's your pleasure. Okay, so our first subject today, we've got Adam Vinatieri. He won three Super Bowls with his legs, but now he can't even convert a 17-yard field goal on a cable game. Does this destroy his legacy? You know, my good friend, Muhammad Ali, is one who would know about legacies. His sixth grade career is a legacy at Lawrence Middle School, where he left elementary school early, transfer over to help become one of Lansford, Michigan's very first African-American ninth grade foosball champions. This type of hard work is what he brought with him to help mold him into the champion that you saw in yesteryear and the wheelchair invalid that you see today. None of this would have been possible had he not had the power to drive his legacy to become what he was meant to become. You have to ask yourself, 
does Adam have this drive? It sounds an awful lot to me like his legs haven't driven him anywhere in quite some time. And I like to feel that with my experience working alongside such wonderful gifted athletes my entire life and having them respect me as much as they do gives me the ability to say he should call it quits. Now, I don't think that event Terry worked day in his life. He's standing behind the entire rest of the team kicking. That's not real football work, son. Not at all. You have to do work, put in a legacy. So the fact he can't even do his fluff job anymore, it's unexcusable. Andrew Luck appeared to be the golden boy in his first three seasons, but has clearly regressed in the first two games of the season. Is it time for Indianapolis to start tanking to find the next big quarterback to replace him? One day, poolside... I was sitting next to my friend, Jay Leno, and on the other side, half of Siegfried and Roy, Roy. No, again, Roy didn't have much to say because since the tiger mangled his face, he really can't move his mouth. However, Jay Leno said to me, I just really thought you should know that there are many questions that come around here. And I said, Jay, you're sounding like gibberish again. Since we are so close friends, I feel the comfortable enough telling you that. And what I would like to say was, Jay Leno had luck. Jay Leno had luck, the kind of luck that you have when someone as gifted as Johnny Carson decides to give you something. Not the kind of luck that you get from earning it and one day hopefully getting what you've worked for, but the kind of luck that you just fall upon. Shit on your shoe luck is what we call that. As I was bringing this point to my friend, my good friend Jay Leno, in the back you heard Roy utter some of the most poignant, beautiful words. And Roy said, Remember, Roy could not open his mouth at this time. This was months after the mauling. Uh, he, he has forgiven the tiger. I have not. That is my issue that I'm dealing with. But not, not long after this conversation had taken place, we had kind of decided to give up on that. Andrew Luck, Andrew Bad Luck. He's Andrew, nonetheless. Is Andrew Luck or is he out of it? Strong words from Stephen K. You know, I want to talk to you straight here, son. One thing I want to say, trim that damn neckbeard. That neckbeard's got to go. It's throwing off your whole game. You can't you can't stand behind their offensive line. You can't you can't do nothing with that neckbeard. It's just getting in your damn way. It ain't working for you. Le'Veon Bell is back from his two-game suspension for drug use. How many felonies will he rack up before the game on Sunday? I'm going to take this one. Mr. Bell, you can't do that. You got to stay away from that drugs. You got to stay away from that hip crowd. That does, just doesn't work for you, son. <sighs> you know, back in my day, if we even smelled a hippie in our town, he was gone. He was cut. We take him out of sack, beat him with rubber holes, shoot him in the head. Drew Brees' doctor confirmed he has a bruised rotator cuff. Will he be able to put up 700 yards on the Panther, or will this affect his ability to have a normal life without a caregiver? Drew Brees is a wonderful human. He donates money to local charities. He goes to local schools and gives children a joyful time. One thing that Drew Brees does not do anymore is compete in the NFL. Drew Brees has now entered his downtime phasing years. I believe that we've seen the best we can of Drew Brees. And the reason I know this is because not two seats behind me, my good friend Wilt Chamberlain, and he said, Stephen, I heard what you were saying, and while I enjoy arguing with the majority of the humans on this planet, I am not going to do that with you. I fully agree with your opinions on this, and I'm going to leave it at that, just as you should. 
Now, as I'm sure you're aware, Coach Gunderson, Matt Castle was just traded from the Buffalo Bills to the Dallas Cowboys because it looks like Tony Romo will be out until November. Jerry Jones believes if they find a veteran quarterback that can do half of what Romo does, they'll be in contention. So I ask you, can Matt Castle throw the three interceptions a game necessary to compete in the Super Bowl? Well, you know what I have to say? Matt Castle, you got that three interceptions. Those those three interceptions are yours. But those don't just belong to you. That's the entire team talking right there. You can't just stand up and put down. No, you have to own those interceptions. Those have to be your interceptions. You know, and what it really boils down to is that offensive line. That offensive line, you really have to let that pass rush get in, do their job, really take hold. That's where you get those interceptions, son. Let's move it out of the NFL for a little bit, because as we know, there's a whole world of sports out there. Shaq gave his all-time top five list, which is as follows. Bill Russell, Carl Malone, Dr. J, MJ, and Magic Johnson. There was not a single member of the Phoenix Suns on this list. Is this a slight towards Amari Stoudemire? This is no slight towards Amari Stoudemire. Amari Stoudemire was the greatest Suns player to ever play the game between the dates of October 2000 and December 2000. I don't know who this Amari Stoudemire is. He doesn't sound like he really put forth that effort to be in that top five. He just ain't doing it. Not doing it, son. David Beckham has been rumored to replace Daniel Craig as the new 007. Is this evidence that MGM is biased towards Americans not playing Bond? Many have thought Dale Earnhardt Jr. would be a shoe-in. You know, many of us sat back and wondered this very question. We need to know. First, are are, are you going to infiltrate the world of athletics for quite some time now? Hollywood has been knocking on the door of some of our greatest athletic competitors Not only in this world, but in this country. We have seen such wonderful pieces of film, such as Steel, starring one of my good friends, Shaquille O'Neal. Brits are afraid to have one of our home sons play the role out of utter fear that the world will see that they are inferior, not only in everything else, but now in acting as well. Stephen, I could not agree more. Of course you can't. You know what I have to say about... Mr. Beckham Jr. The guy has not been a British person since 2002. He's an American. Daniel Craig, he's not a British person. He's from Scotland, damn it. You know, they need a real Brit. Real Brit in there. Scott Stafford played professional hockey in Germany despite missing his left hand. Robotic technology has enabled him to move his left hand joint in conjunction with his right hand. Now that a cyborg is among us, should we be rerouting our educational funds to the military to destroy Skynet before it destroys us? You know, you really got to be worried about these uh, self-driving cars. You know, what happens when they take over? You end up with cyborg hockey players. You know, it's great for watching on a video game. It ain't no good in real life, son. That ain't the way it'd be. You want real human beings in there. I appreciate the game of hockey. You got grown men hitting each other, trying to stab each other's skates. It's great. Why you need to got big robots in here? That ain't working, son. Mike Trout hit his 40th home run of the season. From a scale of 1 being likely to 10 being definitely, is Trout on steroids? You know, I feel today it's uh, very poignant. It's very modern idea to bring up PEDs in today's everyday conversation when concerning sports in this country. I say Trout is not on PEDs. I say we prove it. I say we give him a 40-day head warning and then test him. He'll finally prove 
that he, of course, is not on it. I say, let's do it even better. Let's make a rule that anybody can be tested at any time with a 40-day head start. I think we'd start getting more athletes willing to pee in that cup, willing to give their blood, uh, which would enable us to be able to test more people more often and inevitably come out with a good, clean sample group, if you will. Just before I commit to my 40-day thing, let me just check in with my uh, fact checker here. 39 days is how much you need to get clean? 40 days is what I would think, yes. You know, that Mr. Trout, he ain't on the PEDs. You know, the one way to show, he's playing baseball. That men don't play, take PEDs. You don't take PEDs play baseball. You sit on a bench for three hours. You're not doing a real sport, son. That is not how you play a game. You need to get out there. You need to be physical. That's where you need the PEDs. That's how you get stronger. You know, you don't need that shit for baseball. And now we go to the phones with our brand new correspondent, two-time All-American and three-time Heisman Trophy winning quarterback for the USC Trojans, Max the Murderer Daniels, to talk about baseball legend Yogi Berra. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Max the Murderer Daniels coming to you with some rather tragic news of the untimely passing of Yogi Berra, the man, the myth, the legend uh, of baseball at the age of 90 this week. He was uh, obviously most famous for a unique and overabundant linguistic perspicacity of sorts. Now, these were his so-called yogiisms. Now, these were incredibly famous lines like, it's deja vu all over again, and you should always go to other people's funerals, otherwise they won't come to yours. But it doesn't stop there. Obviously, there was a plethora of these. Uh, uh, other sayings like, nobody goes there, it's too crowded. And the future ain't what it used to be. Now, Pharaoh was beloved by all who knew him, uh, especially me, uh, and, and he will be missed uh, profoundly. Now, Max, in your opinion, how did Barra stack up against fellow all-century team pitchers Carlton Fisk and Johnny Bench? Well, I'll tell you what Barra had over those guys and just about everybody else in the sport. He looked at sports much differently because when it came to Barra, if you knew him personally like I did, you would know uh, he always said, you know, there, there's no real difference between any of the sports because it's all the same game. Uh, I, I don't know if that's on the list of yogiisms, but it should be because uh, he, he literally said that to me one time. I didn't know oh, what it meant. That explains why I've never heard that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, he, you know, it, look, Ferris said a lot of things, right? But uh, what a lot of people don't know is that I did know him personally, and you're thinking, like, look, you're a three-time Heisman Trophy winner. You you play football. How, how did you get on with this older baseball legend? Well, you know, there was a dark period in my life where Barra, being the guy that he is, and this gets back to your question here, the difference between him and everybody else is he was the sort of guy that didn't care uh, about crossing boundaries in terms of sports and, and helping guys out and lending advice to people who needed it. You know, uh, like I said, there was a dark period in my life where he reached out to me uh, and and really helped me through. Which of Barra's 10 championship teams do you think was the most special, and what sets them apart from the others? Well, they were all special. Uh, you know, to sit around and quibble about, this one's better than that one. I mean, I, 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 look, I, 
look, I'm not going to do that. What do you think caused all the bad blood between Barra and Steinbrenner? You know, I think it was probably more of a personal thing than than anything, and I think that's something that a lot of the, the media, especially nowadays, you know, with this media, this 24-hour news media, and I don't even mean the media like the news. I mean like the, the ESPNs of the world, you know, like they sit around, they got nothing to talk about all day long, and, and so they, they whip up all this drama, and, I, you know, I'm not even really sure it was that big a thing. So you're saying even though... George Steinbrenner fired him twice. There was no real bad blood between them? I don't, I don't, look, all I'm saying is I don't know about the bad blood. Now, firing, maybe that's on the record. I, you know, I don't know. I play football personally. Uh, I am a three-time winner of the Heisman Trophy uh, as quarterback. I mean, I knocked it out of the park to, to, to use cross uh, metaphors there. When Barra returned from serving in the Navy in World War II, he played for the Newark Bears, where he was mentored by Bill Dickey. What do you think the most important lesson he learned from him was? Did you say Bill Dickey? Yes. Bill Dickey. That takes me back. Yeah, that was when he got out of the Navy and he came back and he played for the Bears, you said? Yes, the Newark Bears. The Bears. Man, that takes me back. Um, I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I got lost. When Barra returned, he got advice from Bill Dickey, who he considered his mentor. What do you think was the most important thing he got from that advice? Well, I, I'll tell you this. Having Yogi Berra around, I mean, that's, that's a win-win no matter what the situation is because uh, you've got a lifetime of experience. You're also getting him fresh off the war, so you're getting a man who is uh, 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 seen some shit, Right. I, I don't know if I can curse on air, but he, he's, he's, he's been over there. He's a tough dude, obviously. He's bringing a lot of that, uh, a lot of that, uh, what do you call it, that masculinity, that, uh, that fire back with him. And, and he's also bringing the knowledge of the game, and he's bringing uh, a, just a ton of piss and vinegar. And, you know, like, how could you, how could you not have a winning combination with the knowledge and the fire I mean, I, it only makes sense to put that guy on your team, right? Uh, now, Max, I'm a little confused. Um, Yogi Berra actually hadn't played an inning in the major leagues just yet when he went to the New York Bears. So are you insinuating that he was so knowledgeable by his college days that he was actually mentoring his mentor? Well, look, I'm, I, look this is the thing, right? Is I, to me, baseball is baseball. Uh, for Yogi, baseball was light. So whether you're talking minor leagues, you're talking major leagues, I mean, the man was a, 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 a wealth of knowledge, okay? So, yeah, absolutely. I'm saying he could come back, he could step in, and he could mentor anyone that, that, that was willing to listen to him. And that was, the, that was the key with Yogi Berra, is you had to be willing to listen because he wasn't going to put up with no guff. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the fact that, he, you know, he didn't really have maybe a, a, a minute of play in the majors didn't probably, now, now this just comes down to pedigree. Uh, uh, it, doesn't really, uh, it doesn't really matter where you put him, you, minor leagues, major leagues. He's going to knock it out of the park, again, to use that metaphor correctly this time. Barrow was tied with Barry Bonds for the second most number of consecutive seasons to receive support for an MVP nomination. Whose play was more deserving of that honor, in your opinion? Well, I think, I, you know, I, uh, I, I think it goes without saying. It was, you, you know, it was, it was the Barra, the, 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 the Cuda, the Barracuda, as I called him. 
In Yogi's second year as a manager for the Mets, he won the National League pennant. Which Met do you think he was most instrumental in shaping? To sit here and, and, and uh, speculate, and you know, because then you get into a whole rigmarole about who's, who's willing to learn, who's not. I would say that he was probably instrumental in shaping uh, quite, a, quite a few souls on that game uh, or on that team. But, um, but to name one in particular, I, you know, who could do that? I, you know, I can't. Max, thank you very much for your thoughts. Hey, next time you're up in Bristol, I'll have to buy you a beer, huh? Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, and, uh, you know, go Trojans. Joining us now, editor of dogblog.blogspot.com, Sadzi the Browns fan. Thank you for joining us, Sadzi. Chip, it's really good to be here. The Browns are 500. Everything's coming up roses. It's beautiful. Okay, so Josh McCowan, we've just learned, is going to be under center when facing the Oakland Raiders this week. Why Uh do you think Johnny Football hasn't risen to the level of being on the Mount Rushmore of all-time quarterbacks yet? Tommy Football, as I call him, has to earn the moniker that he goes by. He is one of many, many, many Browns quarterbacks who come in and uh, fail despite massive expectations in the very beginning. So in that regard, he's potentially going to put himself on Mount Rushmore as one of the largest busts that the Browns have had as a quarterback. But let's not forget, Chip, Brian Hoyer won uh, seven games with the Cleveland Browns last year, and true to Browns' form, he is in a completely different uniform this season. So he hasn't won the starting job because uh, he cannot complete more than half passes uh, over a consistent stretch of time. Until he does that, it's Tommy football. When he does that, we will call him Johnny. Andy Lee has racked up 440 yards punting in the first two games of the season. Is he on pace to supplant Jim Brown as the greatest Cleveland Brown ever? Andy Lee also joins a strong tradition of Browns punters, people who not only play until they're in their late 40s, but who rack up yards the likes of which has never been seen. The Browns are very good at punting, sound part of our strategy. We do it a tremendous amount. So yeah, I would say we have really high expectations that he will emerge as a leader and his number will hang proudly uh, on display there on the banks of the Cuyahoga. This week, Cleveland will induct defensive tackle Don Colo into the Cleveland Browns legend program. He was acquired in 1953 through a 15-player trade with the Baltimore Colts. He also became one of the catalysts for the team to win back-to-back championships in 54 and 55. What 15-player trade could the Browns realistically pull off this season to win a Super Bowl next year? The Browns are notorious for their savvy moves on trade day. You'll recall we dumped a whole lot in order to get one Trent Richardson, who uh, we then traded away immediately for a few other picks that we used to draft Tommy Football. So we are going to package Tommy Football with two prime Cleveland assets. We're going to take one Joe Hayden and one Carlos Dansby. We're going to take the stars of that defense. We're going to package them with Tommy Football, and we're going to trade that for some old familiar faces. We need to bring... Bill Belichick and the hoodie back to Cleveland. He was there. He was doing good things. And so with that trade, a la Harbaugh, the Browns are going to secure the evil emperor. And the top player there in uh, New England is going to be Tom Brady because it is only through a tremendous amount of cheating that the Browns will ever sniff a conference championship. Ben Roethlisberger had a 155.8 passer rating and route to an AFC Offensive Player of the Week award. How over is the AFC North race this season? The odds are good that the conference championship is going to feature someone from the AFC North. Will it be Baltimore? Will it be Pittsburgh? I don't know. I don't care. I hate them both. 
Okay, Sadzi, thanks for your time. Make sure to stay away from the razor blades. I keep them as far away as possible, Chip. Thanks for the advice. Okay, we're going to do a couple of quick matchups for this week in, in the NFL. Thursday night game, Redskins versus Giants. Steven. Redskins versus Giants. Of course, as we've all learned, Giants in America refers to the white race. Redskins referring to an inferior race or so to be a thought of. It's uh, an outstanding picture, if you will, pie chart of where our country stands today and its views of minorities. That being said, Eli Manning is done. Redskins, 17. Giants, 6. You know what I have to say? I'm really liking what that Tom Coughlin's putting out. I remember babysitting that young child. I saw great things in that boy. He knew what he was doing. That's why I think he's going to continue and he's going to rise up over them and the Redskins. The pick of Sunday morning, Raiders at the Browns. There is somebody that's going to win that, and it's going to be the Cleveland Browns. They got that Mr. Uh, Johnny Football on there. He's got what it takes. He stayed himself clean sober for this week. I think he's going to pull through this one. You're going to see them Browns win, son. Sunday evening, Bears at Seahawks. You have a classic, dynastatically challenged team in Chicago Bears coming into contact with the shiny new penny found in the crack of an NFL player's couch. So much promise, so shiny. Put a few of those together and you really got something. Is that going to be enough? I don't think so. I think that Coach Fox is going to maneuver some much needed emphasis and logistics to areas where they are most needed. And that will then cause the Chicago Bears to still lose by 10 points. Sunday night, Broncos at Lions. The Denver Broncos have been what many have called in the silent majority the longest dynasty-driven teams in the NFL today. Not even ugly blue uniforms held them back in the past. Great things come to you if you have played for the Denver Broncos. You may own a car dealership. The Broncos are a team that, given an opportunity, have the ability to quantify an outcome that will be seen as pleasing to their fans. On the other hand, you have the upstarts from Detroit. Couple of young kids running around the field, having fun, making things happen, qualifying themselves to be considered amongst the rest of the NFL as a team with the ability to win games. Denver 21, Detroit 17. You know, that's going to be an interesting game. And the Denver Broncos, they have no offensive line. They can't keep that young Tim Tebow up. He just keeps falling down. He's too damn old. He can't make them long passes like he used to. I saw great things that young man. But he's an old man. He's 39 year old now. Can't be doing that, son. All right, up north of that Detroit, you're going to have that staff, Mafford. He's, uh, he's about as glass jaws as they come. They can't keep him upright either. So, I mean, this is going to come down to defenses. That nut Donkey Kong Sue, he's gone. He's down in Miami right now. You got nothing there, Detroit. Broncos are going to run away with this one. Monday night, Chiefs and Packers. You know, I'm going to have to get us one of the Packers. That A.A. Ron Rodgers, he's really got it. That guy, boy, guy can throw football. He's got that offensive line. He can do it. This is all, this is all Packers all night long. Stephen K. Smith. Coach Gunderson, thank you. This has been a Not Safe for Network production. You didn't really think this was real, did you?
not safe for network. So when you get the actual script in your hands, how is it that you memorize everything? I mean, there's like, you write the first letter of each word. That's what Robert Downey Jr. does. Sure, yeah. And that's great for Robert Downey Jr. But that That's just great gets, for Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> that just gets me so confused. RDJ. So RDJ. we won't be seeing you in an Iron Man suit anytime soon. <laughs> well, uh, not in not, uh, not on stage. Not... In my off time, maybe. <laughs> but I don't know what you're doing in my bedroom, so please leave. That's debatable. I think the way we argue matters. The more diverse populations we have to argue with, the better. The internet, it gives you a lot of zealotry and, and a lot of that insane, you know, 9-11 was an inside job or the moon landing never happened or whatever. But, you know, if we could look at the flip side of that too, you get a whole bunch of information that gets to fly around the world in a heartbeat and all of a sudden everybody knows the same damn thing. We had a good life. Is talking about the Juggalo community mm -hmm. on the podcast so publicly as we do? Yeah. Does that set us up as a target in mm -hmm. the future, potentially? It's as much of a threat as a dirty 400-pound topless woman, like, running at you from a couple hundred yards away can be. You know what I mean? This is family over it's here! family! Box office battle. If you were to take the male lead of your film and put him into a romantic comedy, would I root for him? I have to say, we have seen this romantic comedy. Liv Tyler is his daughter, and he saves the human race in Armageddon. Is that a romantic comedy, though? You know, you had me until you said Armageddon. Shooting the show. My parents always stocked up on ramen. They didn't really know how much I ate. And I would actually scrounge up change and go to the store and buy more ramen so it didn't look like I ate as much. Eric, Eric. Uh, That's what alcoholics do. My mom should have never taught me how to make it. Yeah, you had a problem. The Alien Movie Project. The aliens crash a kid's birthday party, basically. <laughs> Which, again... <laughs> I think supports the frat aliens notion. Oh god, where am I? Oh guys, hey, is there anything to drink at this party? <laughs> you guys. You guys, I'm gonna uh, have some of this cake. Hey, you are, guys are you mind gonna, if I cut this cake? Can I open this? Are you gonna wear that hat? I'm just gonna take some of this cake. Montucky Skies. By the way, his character trait is he constantly pulls out stomach acid pills. What, what do you call it? Like Pepto Bismol uh -huh. or something? And he just constantly chews the pills every time something comes around. He's like, ah. Yeah. Can I just say I appreciate them down with a cup of coffee. <laughs> I appreciate the subtlety used by saying his character trait because we know this is the type of movie where each character gets one trait. Find all our podcasts on iTunes. Not safe for network.